Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host Conor O'Neill, joined today by Joe Thomas and Gav Buckland as we look ahead to Everton's game against Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park on Saturday afternoon. I said on Monday that we always seem to say it, but this really is a huge game for the Blues as they go and search for three vital points to move themselves closer to Premier League safety. Joe, they'll get straight into it because, you know, there's nowhere else to start other than this is a very, very big game for Sean Dyche's side. Huge, isn't it? Absolutely huge. And to be honest, I think I'm I'm, I'm pretty terrified. <laughs> you know, after having having seen those last two performances from Everton, I think you know. There was, obviously, I know that there are kind of there are other circumstances that are affecting things like the Dominic Calvert-Lewin's injury, Corey suspension, and some of the other injuries and issues and things like that which are going to still be a factor for this week. Some of them, um, but they were two pretty worrying performances, and you know this is a big game Palace and I keep thinking for, for ages I was looking at that Fulham game and I was looking at it with hope and, and thinking in my head forever and to build towards the target points that I think we need to stay up it really relied on getting three points at home to Fulham um, and then obviously that didn't happen and everyone got a little bit of a let off because you know, the teams around them were so horrendously poor, albeit in difficult fixtures last weekend. But they're just not going to get that many second chances, I don't think. All right, Nottingham Forest and Leicester on terrible slides and Leeds all having one three and six and look to be on the brink of getting out of it, back in trouble. But again, Everton need to get points on the board and this is a difficult fixture, but it looks like one of the better opportunities to get points on the board early, uh, given some of the other games coming up. So it, it really, really is a big game. And I keep trying to talk myself down from the ledge on that, but I can't really find any excuses for anything other than the very least they need a, a performance that suggests that they're all on the same page and working towards the same goal and a bit of more fight and determination, coordination and organisation we've perhaps seen over the last, over the last you know, two games. Gavin or Joe used the word terrified there to describe how he's feeling ahead of tomorrow's game. I think the big reason why there's a lot of doom and gloom and a lot of fear around Evertonians is simply how bad last weekend's performance was against Fulham because, you know, like Joe said there for a game that Everton you know, simply needed to win and it was a game that they would have won. It would have moved them a step closer to safety. The performance of Sean side for him was, was nowhere near good enough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We spoke about that on Monday, didn't we? Um, I think... <laughs> terrified is <laughs> yeah it's an interesting word isn't it really? it's probably probably true I think I think as I said on Monday that I mean it's one thing getting beat where you put a shift in and you've just had, haven't had that quality or you know you've had a couple of injuries and you've been, you've been stretched I think if you get beat sometimes and this has been the case on the dice really I think most games that you, you say, yeah, okay, just weren't good enough there, and but we've got something to work with. The 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 terrifying thing in inverted commas, I think, on Saturday 
was the second half performance where we got ourselves back into the game. It's a, it's a big match, as Joe said. Other teams have got losable games, and and in the second half we just didn't compete. We didn't seem interested. I mean, there was a lot a lot of lot of thing made subsequently made made up about the game on Saturday that Fulham didn't have a lot to play for and were on the beach and stuff like that. And Everton with a team that you know were desperate need for the points. And if you'd have watched the second half, you would have thought the roles were reversed, wouldn't you? That we look like the team on the beach with very little to play for and, and Fulham. Look like a team without really need to try much. Look like a team who needed the three points, and that's a terrifying thing for me on on Saturday. And that was the, that was the last thing I expected from a team managed by Sean Dyche, to be honest with you. And um, the manager spoke as Joe Joe's piece this morning talking about mentality. Well, I think he needs to change the mentality for Saturday from uh, from last Saturday's second half. And and that, that's why I'm, shall we say, terrified about tomorrow and, and the rest of the season is that second half attitude against Fulham. Joe, how how does Sean Dice change that attitude and mentality? Because obviously, you know, in the piece you you done this morning, you lose to the fact of, you know, he's only eleven weeks in, and this is probably a two year problem, and you know, it's obviously some of these issues have been long, long standing before he arrives at the club. But you know, like Gav said, there a lot of what we've seen certainly, you know. Last week against Fulham isn't what you'd expect to see from a, a Sean Dyche side, is it? In the sense of you know, kind of almost giving up and, and not not kind of having the stomach for the fight. Yeah, I don't even know if he's not giving up. I mean, back in the last last Saturday, it was almost just, you know, just didn't have the quality, did they? Like, I mean, we saw when the first when the team came out and we saw the people that were missing. You know, looked at that side and you looked at the bench and you thought. You know, if they don't get off to a good start here, if they don't make this a game that Fulham just can't be bothered with because they don't need to, it's going to be a difficult one to change any momentum that's in game. And obviously, you know, that they found that to be the case in, in, in that second half. I think he's, I think it's, I mean, just moving slightly away from your point and going back to what Sean Dyche has been saying recently, I think it's quite notable in the last week or so he started to reference this, reference the, uh, the situation he inherited. You know, he started after kind of 10 weeks of talking about, I won't talk about the previous regime or things like that, or it is what it is. You know, there are now a few kind of more wider context pictures as the form isn't kind of going along perhaps the way that we all want it to. Um, but I think the I think for Palace, I think he's just got to go back to basics. I think he's got to do what he did right at the very start when he came in. And, and he referenced this in, in, in his press conference yesterday, talking about how, you know, use a word that Sean Dyche really likes aligned and how probably the best performance where everyone's been on the same wavelength has been the Arsenal game, the first game under him. And it was, you got that impression that everybody was working was a plan. Everybody knew their individual and their collective goals. And they stuck with that for, you know, in fairness, eight, nine, 10 games. And again, in fairness, it's only really been knocked out of sync by, by Decore suspension. And one, it's not Sean Dyche's fault for, Decorey reacted in the way that he did, and, and whilst we can all all laugh and, and and joke about and get frustrated with Harry Kane's embarrassing reaction to what happened, I don't think any of us can legitimately make an argument say it shouldn't have been a red card and a free game ban. 
But that wasn't Sean Dyche's fault. And obviously the lack of depth and the lack of quality within the Everton squad for him to deal with injuries and suspensions is also not his fault. But he's got to find a way of dealing with it. And I think that, you know, for Palace, I think that goes back to the 4-5-1, back to the game plan that seemed to be the easiest one for this group of players to, to, to competently work on. You know, I, I couldn't really understand the 4-4-2 against Manchester United. I, I then certainly couldn't understand persisting with that against Fulham. I think it would be bizarre in the least if he was if he was to go again that tomorrow, bearing in mind that he had to change it again after half an hour against Fulham. I mean, surely that gave him everything that he needed to know to say that 4-4-2 should just go in the bin and stay there until he can perhaps, you know, relook at the squad in the summer, you know, when, in, the, in the transfer market and start to mould it in his own shape. Um, but it's got to be 4-5-1 and it's got to just be... Obviously, we... Coleman's not not going to be involved. You know, we, we know that. I think he's got to put Patterson. I think he's got to put a right back at right back. Um, and I think you know, Godfrey's had two poor games on either side of the defence at the minute. And that's fair enough when you haven't got the players around you to kind of accommodate. But I know Patterson's young. I know he's experienced. I know he's inexperienced. I know he's come back from injury. But he started the season well at right back. You know, he has had games. Uh, you know, He played in the derby at home in, in, you know, really well at right back. He's had some very good games there. Um, and at some point, Dice is going to have to start perhaps showing a little bit more faith and trust in some of the players that he hasn't chosen to put it in yet. And that's also going to go in the midfield because, you know, 4-5-1 probably trusting, you know, I'd go with James Garner in the centre midfield, I think, and, 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 and go down that way. And all right, it might be, you know, the problem without the Corey is Everton don't have somebody else that can perhaps link midfield to attack. But, you know, obviously winning games is important, but staying in them is important. And Everton haven't really stayed in the last two games. I know that they last until 70 minutes, only 1-0 at Old Trafford, OK. But really, it could have been 5-0 by that point. And Fulham, the minute Fulham wanted, the minute in that second half, it looked like Fulham wanted to win that game. Everton couldn't get anywhere near them. You know, a point isn't the worst result at Palace, or at least setting up the foundation to be difficult to beat, stay competitive, and then see what they can get from the game, you know, with 25 minutes to go. I think that's got to be the setup. I don't think you can go out there going all guns blazing, 4 4 2, trying to win, trying to play more players out of position, trying to be more experimental. I don't think they can do that tomorrow. Gav, we are going to come on to team selection and, and team you know, thoughts we looking ahead to tomorrow's game. But just to go back to your point, Joe, you know, picked up on there in terms of Arsenal and you know, Sean Dyson, that, that's like the, the game where everything kind of come together. How much is the worry at the minute that the kind of new bounce, new manager bounces disappears and almost old habits have crept back in and this is, you know, the team ultimately that got Frank Lampard sacked? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, we, I think we'll have a better idea tomorrow, won't we, really? I think if you see tomorrow when we we go back to the, the attitude you've seen largely on the dice, I'll be so sad, you know, we've, I've had a lot of, lack of quality, then I think you'd say that, you know, there was an aberration the second half against Fulham, really. And what disappointed me about Fulham was that 
we're saying is, is we played about 15 minutes, didn't we, before half-time, and then it was that, that you know, that we, we stepped off the edge of a cliff, didn't we, in the second half. That was that was the, that was the disappointing thing for me. So I think we'll find out tomorrow. We'll probably find out within the first 15 minutes tomorrow. And and I do think, I, I, I can tell you, I can tell you what Joe's saying, and, and I, but everybody said this week is, why are we playing 4-4-2? We play four five one all day long with 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 that team and and that's that's the thing that's worked for Dyson. I, I, I was I was thinking this week about and I, I looked it up that we, we when we got Dyson we, we have this vision don't we of Dyson Burnley being like oh yeah in a relegation fight you know keeping Burnley up against the odds every season and stuff like that and it. And it Apart from his first year, which you know, which was 15, 14, 15, which was always going to go down because they were you know criminally under resourced and stuff, is he never really had a relegation fight with Burnley at this stage of the season. His skill was keeping Burnley outside the top three all season. I mean, he got them into Europe one year. I think there was another mid-table finish. So if you have a look, he wasn't really in a relegation fight in the midst of one like he is now with Evan with Burnley. I know he, he he finished last season before the end of the season, you know, before the end of the campaign. So in some respects, this is new territory for Dice at this stage of the campaign. He's not something he really faced with Burnley, and I think that's the other aspect to it. So he his thinking has to be clear, and don't don't cloud cloud the issue by being too clever, which I think he's tried to be in the last two games. Don't overthink. Go back to your side and trusted formation. That's work for you, and that's obviously four five one. And I think, I, and within that, I play Gray as the striker because I think for him, and you, we, we spoke about this last Friday, Joe did me that he did, possibly doesn't trust Gray out wide. Well, we know Gray doesn't trust Gray out wide, so he's going to play and play him up top. So the base for me, get back to four five one, get the basics right. I think you'll you'll get better support for Garner in the middle of the pitch and hopefully we won't see what we saw against the second half against Fulham last week the players in the right positions I think for him and uh, and then I'll take it from there but we'll 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 see we'll see in the opening 10-15 minutes tomorrow against Palace whether you know last last week's second half was just you know just a, an aberration really Rather than sort of the new manager bounce disappearing, Joe. In terms of you know the team news for tomorrow, I think the, the big news is, well, depending on who you kind of listen to and, and what you read, Dominic Calvert Lewin looks to be back in contention. Certainly, he's suspected in the Everton matchday squad. He tweeted on was it Wednesday night saying bring on Saturday. Although Sean Dyche appeared to call or call water over that that a little bit on on Thursday's press conference when he said he'll be back in contention. Where, where do we stand with Dominic Calvert-Lewin? Because it seemingly seems that he's preparing for Saturday. Do you think this is a bit of a kidology from Sean Dyche? Or is he you know, thinking, let's not be too hasty and let's not be rushing things too much? Shouldn't be kidology. I think, we're, you know, I think if we're at the point now where Calvert-Lewin isn't, um, isn't likely to be in the squad, then I think it's it's time to kind of stop playing games with it a little bit. And I, and I think that there has been a little bit of, I don't, I don't, it probably hasn't been on purpose, but I, I don't think the communication around the situation for Dominic Calvert-Lewin has been particularly good from the club over the past few weeks. 
we have had 10 weeks of will he worry from Sean Dyche. Okay. After two or three weeks, it got boring, but it's the biggest issue on every Everton fan's mind at the minute. So it's always going to keep on coming up. Um, and it kind of reached an impasse where it was almost like a scored draw where everyone just knew that Deitch wasn't going to really say much about it. So kind of just moved on. And then, you know, before, I think it was before the Man United game, you had the club the Friday, the Friday before you had the club on its Twitter account tweeting pictures of Dominic Calvert-Lewin and that and kind of obviously positive and, you know, 24 hours before, you know, before, before a game uh, and amid rumours that he's getting back to fitness. So I think people are starting to think, oh, maybe he might be involved and he wasn't in the squad at all. So you're thinking that's a, that's a bit of a, a weird juxtaposition of the tweets with the, the squad that then comes out. And then that whole thing was again repeated for Brentford for a second week, you know, where you had lots of pictures of Dominic Calvert-Lewin and positive noises. And they, you know, I think that was genuine, I mean, it was surprise in the press room when he wasn't on the bench last week. Week. Yeah, I thought even, you know, I think we all can understand that it's going to take a while for him to get up to match sharpness. And it's been very clear that Sean Dyche values people being at 110% before he wants to put them on the pitch or for certainly to, certainly to start. So, you know, whether or not Calvert Lewin would ever come straight into a starting lineup is, is probably in doubt. But when he wasn't involved last week after going through the same rigmarole, then, then you know, that, that did feel a little bit deflating. And I think that. You know, it's important to note that Sean Dyche in the post-match press conference after Fulham. You know, it was in response to me that Sean Dyche brought up Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and he did that in the context of I'd been asking about Anana and his injury and Coleman and his injury, and this was the first. This was Dyche who for ten weeks has been saying Calvert-Lewin's not the story. Stop focusing on him. He brought Calvert-Lewin into the conversation. Say he's going to be in contention for next week if he has a good week. So, you know, I, I just think that if if we end up in a situation where that doesn't transpire to be the case, then I just think it's really poor form. I think you can kind of maybe put that the last 10 days down to the last two games, maybe give the benefit of that and just say a little bit of mixed messaging, a little bit of confusion, a little bit of is he 95% and we want him to get 98% and he's there or thereabouts. Interesting that last, last week at the game, he was in the director's box, Amadou Anana. Well, Amadou Anana came in and he was fully dressed in, you know, civilian clothes, normal clothes, as if it looked like he was never going to be part of the match day picture. Dominic Calvert-Lewin came in in training gear, essentially. So you wonder if there was a bit of a question mark all the way up to the day of the game and the morning of the game, and it was a last minute call, um, which again would, would at least bode well for this week. But I just think that, I think serious questions probably need to be asked about some of the, the messaging that's coming out from Dijon Cop if Calvin wasn't to be involved tomorrow. I think that'd be a, a real concern. I think at that point you kind of have to start saying, look, you, you, you're being a little bit too evasive here. Especially um, if, if he is treating Calvert himself saying bring on Saturday, which well, yeah, not. exactly. I mean, even Calvert Lewin <laughs> seems to be kind of you know, gearing up for a return oh, as well. Oh, so, yeah. Essentially, you know. That's it. And, and, you know, and we accept that these things aren't, you know, say they aren't science, they are science. <laughs> like, of course it's science, but like, you know, getting someone up to peak physical condition is a very, very difficult thing to do. And it's going to be, and for someone that's been out for so long with injuries, there's going to be a lot of trepidation about when the right time to throw him in. And, that you know, it's perfectly justified that they might get up to a game day and they might think that, okay, just pull out the last minute because we're not quite 100%. But 
but while those concerns remain, maybe don't kind of seem to be pointing everyone towards the promised return of probably the only person in the squad that can really make a huge difference to helping Everton get out of the situation that they're in at the moment. Gav, you know, in terms of Calvert-Lewin, obviously there's been a lot of debate around his return. Do you want to think now that Everton in a position where if he's 95% fit, they've just got to take the gamble and put him back in because time for an hour is essential. There's, what, seven games to go. You know, they can't wait forever almost and get him in, you know, the perfect ideal help because the position they find themselves in, they need help and they need it now. Yeah, I can just say, by the way, this is quality quality podcast when you hear where it's like juxtaposition. <laughs> yeah. Also, Joe, I like your previous, you know, your experience of a crime report coming to the fore that you're, you're clocking what people are wearing in the uh, director's box about whether you do it in with it. In with the shout, you know. So we'll all be looking at what Calvert Lewin's wearing when he gets off the coach tomorrow, won't we? Now, um, but that, that's true, isn't it? There's something to that. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think we won't be 100 percent between now and the end of the season, will he? Really? Um, and but you don't want to get to the end. But I, I would overstate the importance of Calvert Lewin because there's a lot more issues within the team. But you don't want to get to the end of the season and Dice turns around and says, "I wish I played Calvert Lewin more." Or I wish I played in that game and I didn't. And and I think, yeah, you, you've got to play him, really. And I would hope tomorrow he'd at least be on the bench. I'd still start... I'd, I'd start off on the bench, to be honest with you, really, and take it from there, see how the game goes. I wouldn't start him in the game, but he, he's got to be there tomorrow. As, as Joe said, I mean, th- these discussions with Carvalho and Connor, you know, you've been doing the podcast for a few years. This goes back probably two years, doesn't it? Probably to Rafa, Rafa, wasn't it, when it first started? It was always a little bit vague about what was wrong with him and what his recovery time was. And, and Lampard as well, where you're saying, oh, we'll be back in a week or, and, and, you know, be next week's squad. And, and wasn't. So it, it predates, you know, the previous previous 10, 11 weeks, really, with Dice, this, this whole issue with Calvert-Lewin's injuries and press conferences and managers' messages. But yeah, he's got to play. He's got to be there tomorrow. He's got to be in the match day squad. He's got to have his sack suit on, um, and uh, and because uh, the, the, he is one player who can make a difference. So as Joe said, so for me tomorrow in the match day squad, and then just take it from there. But he's, he's got to play because you won't be one hundred percent between now. If you're waiting for him to be one hundred percent, he's not going to be one hundred percent between now and the end of the season. So if he's eighty or ninety percent, at least get him in and around. The match day squad, you know, rather have Calvert Lewin than a fourth centre half on the bench or a sixteen-year-old fullback, because even if he just gets on for fifteen minutes, that that's worth worth the gamble at this stage of the campaign. I think as well, Joe, in terms of Calvert Lewin, I mean, we wrote this, you know, dear home, but I wrote it certainly numerous times, and every time he comes back, you kind of feel like he's going to feel pressure like he's never felt before. But this time around, it really does feel like it's all on him a little bit, doesn't it? Because unlike last season, where Everton had Richarlison, you know, Anthony Gordon was, was chipping in with assists and goals, Everton now kind of only got really Calvert Lewin as the attacking outlet to come in and, and spark some sort of not revival as such, but, you know, survival bid and make sure that Everton are playing Premier League football next season. Yeah, and we, I mean, we it's, it's a difficult one because we've got to be careful not to put too much pressure on Dominic Calvert-Lewin. You know, he's, he's somebody that's 
dealt with a lot of injury setbacks recently and you know we know he wants to be out there and he wants to be playing he wants to be contributing it can't be easy for for him and yeah he, he probably whenever he does step out onto that pitch for the first time um since this, this latest issue the hamstring issue there's probably going to be a little bit of fear in him as well as to you know kind of anxiousness about what how far he can push himself um so i just i think and i, I I don't think there'll be any any problem with this. I think just Evan fans just need to make sure they're hundred percent behind him and give him all the support he needs during this time. And if you know what, if he comes on and he puts one wide after ten minutes, just keep you know just welcome the fact that he's there to get in that position in the first place, and that'll be part of the process of getting him up to fitness and sharpness. So hopefully, get the goals to to keep Everton up. So, um, so yeah, I mean, but but it's you know it, it's it'd be naive to say there isn't pressure on him because there is a lot of hope and. That again isn't his fault. It's the fault of a of a club that has you know failed in terms of its recruitment over recent years and and not created a scenario where it can be without Dominic Calvert Lewin and you know if it, obviously if they haven't had more strength and depth up top or you know then there'd be less pressure on him to to come back and, and do so well and that's that's not his fault. Gavin, on in terms of just one more you know, on, on Calvert Lewin. Where almost where do Everton go if he's not involved tomorrow? You know where where do Everton go from there? Because you know I know Joe's touched on it here, but it, it, you know it'd be incredible to think given what we've seen this week in terms of and we're going to come to that another you know, Chester friendly, which Sean Dyche you know effectively revealed in the press conference was designed to get Calvert Luminates in the bank. Calvert Luminates, yeah. you know, if he's not involved tomorrow, where do, where do Everton go from there? And Everton would you know be beaten again. Then serious questions where are going to be asked, aren't they? Well, if we get beat tomorrow, it won't be because Calvert and it won't be because Calvert Lewin's not playing. There'll be lots of other reasons there. Um, I, I, well, I, I said before, I don't. I, I'd put him on the bench. I wouldn't start him. I'd, I'd play great. I'd play great tomorrow. Get back to four five one. Play great, which I think is probably his best position for us at the moment. And, and then and see how the game goes. And have Calvert Lewin on the bench. And if you need them, bring him on. But this, you know. It's, it's, it goes back to Joe's talk about pressure, putting pressure on Cavalier. Football is a squad game. You have 18 on match days. One one player is not going to make for me is not going to make that much significant difference to where we are at the moment. And I think we'd be naive to think it would. I, I get like it, it it lifts fans rather than the players. I would say at this stage. So if we lose tomorrow, it won't because Cavalier's not playing. Um, that said, he can make a difference. But we just need to be careful here. You know, I said before, it's not Marco Van Basten, is he? And um, he can make a difference, but how much of a difference, I would say, is is, is marginal. And and also as well, if you play for it's a big ask for him to come on. And if you do play 4-5-1, big ask for him to play a lone striker role, isn't it, when he's not not fit? Because that that's... That, <laughs> I mean, ironically enough, you probably say if you're going to play him, you play from the start. You play him in the four four two where you can shift it a load, rather than four five one where you've got to do a hell of a lot of work. So yeah, I'd, where we go to, we go with Dre up top and Calvert Lewin on the bench for me. Joe, you know there was mixed injury, mixed news on the injury front on Thursday afternoon in terms of Seamus Coleman's once again unavailable, but there was one, one more positive in that Amadou Onana had trained. It looks like he could be back in contention to start, and that'll be a big boost only for the Blues because the you know with the core missing and Onana missing last Saturday, it showed big time. You know, they missed Everton missed the, the pair's energy across the middle of the pitch. 
It will be, as I say, the thing I said on Monday, I think that Amadou Anana's importance is Everton's side grew, or the obviousness of that importance grew in his absence the other day. Uh, and, he, you know, he's, obviously we know he's young and we know he's got a lot to learn, but he is. there's no doubt that he's part of Everton's best centre midfield, I don't think. Uh, so, so hopefully he'll be back. You know, and it's another big game. They need the need the big game players. Obviously, it's it's quite interesting thinking what the side starting lineup could be tomorrow compared to what it might be on on Thursday when Everton play Newcastle. Because you think, well, if Anana's touch and go for today, then for, for uh, Palace, and he should be fit for for Newcastle. Coleman might be back. Decore will be back. Calvert Lewin might have had half an hour under his in his legs on the, you know at Sellers Park, and all of a sudden you start to think that that's an Everton side that can perhaps you know, be a lot more competitive. Perhaps the only frustrating thing, or one of the frustrating things about it, is that those players start to come back as the fixtures get a little bit harder. Um, you know, Newcastle, Leicester, City, and, and, and Brighton. But yeah, it would be a massive boost, I think, if Onana can make the starting lineup uh, against against Crystal Palace. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I still think that the issue against Fulham was perhaps less. It was as much in 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 the formation and the tactics as it was in the players that were on the pitch. So I'm not saying you know I. I think against Fulham, if Everton had started four five one, even in the absence of Decore and, and, and Onana through suspension and injury, I think they would have started that game better and um, you know perhaps been able to take the lead in that game, and that could have changed the dynamics completely. When you look at the momentum, the trajectory that Fulham were on at that at that point, and, you know it's frustrating they didn't. But so I'm not saying it's not not the end of the world if, if Onana can't play. I, think, I still think go 4-5-1 and I think that you know, there's personnel in there that can perhaps at least put up more of a fight than they did f- against Fulham in the first half hour the other day but there's no doubt Everton's strong with Onana so you know if, if he's if he's back he's, say he was, he's out training on Thursday so that's a positive sign and if he can be back and back in the starting lineup, then that'll be a huge boost. Gav, you know Joe said they're a stronger team with Onana, but I think before last week the, the jury seems to be out on him a little bit. You know, some fans, but I don't think we're, we're too impressed with some of his performances against Manchester United. But in terms of last week, it was definitely a case of you don't know what you've got that's not there, wasn't it, when it comes to Amadou Onana? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you forget he's a, he's a young lad, isn't he? And he's, his sort of top flight experience in his career is, is, is limited. So this is this is new territory for him. So he's... Um, I'm using a grand national sort of analogy like the week late, but he's he's lasted the pace well, hasn't he? Really, in those circumstances, in a in, you know in a high pressurised league and the struggling teams, I'm, I'm convinced he's been carrying enough for for a month or so. To be honest with you, and I think Dice may have denied it, but I think he's been carrying enough. And I think if James Garner is playing, we need the three to protect Garner and, and what he can do with the ball and I think Anana coming back but Garner guy and Garner I, I think that's quite a, I've suggested that as a midfield before even with Takore in the team and, and I think that would be a far more balanced midfield than Takore get, get me get me names like this Takore Anana and Garner I think is, is, is I think is still imbalanced and I think Bringing in James Garner for Takora gives us a little bit more balanced midfield and somebody who can pass the ball. And I think that would be good. The other thing I'd say about Anana, and, and just putting it out there, if Coleman's not playing tomorrow, if Anana plays, would you make him captain? Pickford would be captain. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know if there'd be much doubt about that. Um, yeah. But no, uh-huh. obviously, but you know, he captain Belgium the other day, didn't he? Um, in yeah. the last international break, took the, took the band. I mean, yeah. Maybe obviously Pickford was Pickford was Lampard's choice. So I mean, maybe you know, I'm trying to remember who was captain last week. Actually, it would was it was it Pickford against? It surely would have been Pickford last week, wasn't it? Yeah, this is I can't remember he was that captain last week. But I, I was I was just thinking out of the box, you know, when he started mixing things up and we we said, didn't we, that I was saying that Coleman's a bit, you know, on the field is very big presence and an honor it is. And I mean missed both those presents on you know, both their presence on the pitch last Saturday. I'm just wondering Coleman, I'm just thinking about do something different. If yeah. Coleman wasn't there tomorrow when we're looking for a bit of inspiration and, and an honor was fit. Just, just to change, change it around a little bit. Yeah, quite possibly. And and and, and do something a little bit different. And, and would you make him? Would you make him skipper? Just, um, just some, just for the discussion, really, as a, as an option. You know, thinking outside the box a little bit. And it, I, that said, though, that would be a bonus to me. Just get him back on the pitch, as you say, kind of quite rightly. You know, you don't know what you've got till it's gone, and I think you've seen that. For all the world last Saturday, albeit the four four two magnified that that miss as well. Right, lads, we're going to do something different for the podcast now. Oh, this is frightening! It's terrifying. We do this all the time on the on the echo on the echo site, but we're going to do it on on pods in person. Pick our teams for tomorrow because there's a lot of debate out there about who should play where. So we'll, oh, we'll, we'll pick our start 11s and you can base them on Calvert Lewin and Onana being fit. So, uh, we, okay. uh, sorry, is this what we would choose if we were well, Dice? If you were Sean Dice, Joe, if you were Sean Dice sitting here right now and you're picking your team for Crystal Palace, the best team you think to take on Crystal Palace in the best formation, this is now your chance to, to pick that team of formation. So we'll start in goal. Obviously, I don't think there's any, anyone's going to say it other than Jordan Pickford. At the back, two centre-backs. I would go Yerry Mina and Michael Keane. <laughs> Joe? Yeah. Exactly. You've, got to, you've got to explain the absence of Tarkovsky, surely. Well, I didn't think he was very good last week. I thought he looked a little bit... He ran ragged a little bit. And I think Yerry Mina is the best centre-back at the club. And always has been. Just obviously, fitness issues have always prevented them showcasing his true talent. And I think he's sat on the bench for far too long now. And I think it's time for a freshen up at the back. I didn't think I didn't think Michael Keane was as bad as what people thought out last week. Yeah, he, he kind of didn't cover him. wasn't great, but I thought Tarkovsky was a fault for at least two goals. And he, I think in, in recent weeks his, his performance levels have dipped a little bit. And I think just given how ruthless Sean Dyche was with Connor Cody, in terms of you know he has one. Real stinker didn't against Aston Villa, and we never we haven't seen him since. I don't think Tarkovsky should be uh, immune from the same from the same punishment. What are you saying, Gav? I uh, you, I, I was going to say meaner than Tarkovsky, but what I would say in Connor's defence is that Keane is a better centre half. He's in his best centre half when Mina's playing. So you've got a good on the Carlo. Yeah, I, I think Mina makes the other centre half look better. Always. And I think Keane always looks better with always his best performances and spells in the team have been when Mina's played. 
So I sort of get, I, I get where you're coming from, because I'll have me in it. And I was going to say Tarkovsky, but I could see why you say Keane. We could we could completely complicate matters like this and say let's play it back today. <laughs> oh no, let's not go down. <laughs> everybody's demands, you know. But I think I think it'll be four, won't it? I, I'd I'd still say Mina and Tarkovsky, but I I see where you're saying about Mina and Keane that that actually could work better. But I, I'd still go Mina and Tarkovsky. Okay. A bit well, come on to full back, so hold, hold, hold. Oh, right. Joe, don't know the rules of this game yet, Connor. So, someone <laughs> explains it better, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of clamour for Mina to be involved now, isn't there? And and understandably so, given the fact that Everton have started to not just leak goals but leak opportunities, haven't they? I think that's been the big. That's been one of the worries about Manchester United and Fulham. It's not just that. Yeah, they conceded from every shot. They conceded a few shots on target and everyone went in. Both could have scored more. By the end of that second half, it was probably more late. It was more late to have ended 5-1 to Fulham than it was to have been finished 3-3, I think. Um, so, I mean, I, I quite like... I mean, I don't think that Tarkovsky's getting bombed. I think that, um, you know, obviously I think that the fact that he has the Burnley um, legacy with Sean Dyche, I think, counts for everything. But um, I... Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Mina and and, and Tarkovsky initially uh, centre backs because um, I think it's slightly more likely. Um, and yeah, that's 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 what I'd go. I, I think Mina is probably you know he's got what seven games left of his Everton career, hasn't he? They may as well try and use him. Um, I'm a little bit kind of loath to. There's going to be changes around the pitch and consistency matters, but. This is probably the last chance to to try something a little bit different to potentially create the foundation for something that could work for the next, for the six games that follow. So yeah, if they, if they found the solution tomorrow, then it can still save the season. So go, go on, I'll, I'll go. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go Mina and Tarkovsky. So fullbacks, I think it will be Nathan Patterson at right back simply because he's a right back and he's got to. Like Joe said earlier, go back to basics and just play a right back, right back, and I think if he snubs him again, it's an indication that he clearly doesn't really fancy him. And Mikalenko probably picks himself at left back, despite not covering himself in glory last weekend. On the simple fact of Godfrey has had you know two stingers on the bounce essentially, and and moving Vanagre now for the season, there's no one else to go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd uh, I'd go with that. No, but nobody's mentioned Holgate at all in passing in the last few weeks. Happy, we assume that he's just not in the thinking. He's not in the starting lineup, is he? I think he's fit, no. and yeah, you know, where Deitch has experimented with him, it's it's a defensive centre midfielder, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, he came on at Arsenal, didn't he? I think. Um, yeah, I think I think those are the two fullbacks. Well, I think though you raise an interesting point there, though, Gav, because if Holgate say, gets to nod at right back over Patterson, what does that say again? Because like you can't. Oh, really, yeah, because, I, I, because I said last week about I said last week about you know Godfrey coming in and playing at yeah. right, back, and it was kind of well, you know you kind of got to stick with Patterson because he's the natural right back. But Godfrey was the one giving the nod, wasn't he, over him? Yeah, I think I think it goes back to fitness, doesn't it? And this whole dice thing about you know the safety. I think he like requires a certain level of fitness of players, doesn't he? Quite obviously, and he's not prepared to play players um, who are, you know, not not near near to full fitness. 
I mean, I just wanted to make Brock Patterson's fitness is at the moment, but I think you, you've got to play him. I think if you brought him on last week, you've got to play him on there on Saturday. I wouldn't have a problem there. And I then he's been he's quite and he was good at the start of the season, to be honest with you. I thought he was one of our better players. Of the pitch. So I'm gonna go four five one. So three midfield my three central midfielders would be Amadou Anana, James Garner, and Alex Awobi. I think Adrissa Garner guy is needs to come out the team. I think he's struggled for a while now and I think them three just a bit of pace, a bit of energy and a little bit of something different is whatever it needs in the middle of the pitch right now. Joe? Uh, I'm going, I'm keeping Adrissa Gay and I'm having Gay, Garner and um, Anana in my centre midfield. Um, I kind of understand what you're saying. Uh, I like Iwobi in the centre midfield. I just think that especially with, with having Patterson at right back and Palace being strong out wide. You know, I think that Iwobi offers a bit more defensively down the right than the logical replacement, which I'm guessing for you is going to be Damari Gray. Um, and he's got good distribution as well. And if we're going to end up in a situation where Calvaloon could be probably coming on to the pitch, um, it makes makes sense to have him out wide as well. Gav? See why you've invented this game, Connor, with your team selection, to be fair. Connor will be in. Well, I've given the game away here, haven't I? I said my, my three will be Garner, Gay, Garner and Anana because I think that's our best balance today. But I, I see where you're coming from with the Wolby to a degree. A bit more creativity through the middle. Um, but I think that our best balance today is, is the three I've, I've put put in, to be honest with you, at the moment. With slight worries about Garner Gay, uh, to be honest with you. Well, he's the reason why I put Iwobi in midfield. Yeah. I don't think he's done much for a couple of weeks now, and I think it feels like he inevitably gets to sort of 60 minutes having already been booked, and it's taken off because yeah. he runs, you know, he's run his course, and I just think try and maybe do something different and, and freshen things yeah. up. I, I just think that is possibly defensively a little bit, bit lightweight, but I mean, at the end of the day, we've got to perhaps do something different here, haven't we? You know, but yeah, I'd, I'd start with them today and see, see where that goes. Okay, out wide, I'm going to go obviously Damari Gray and Dwight McNeil. Joe? Yeah, um, McNeil on the left, Iwobi on the right. Actually, two the other way around. I'd do Iwobi on the left and McNeil on the right. Because I think with, with Michalenko, you've got, I mean, sort of last week to a degree, you've got, you've got a left-footed left-back and they like to come in from out wide, don't they? Palace, and I think it's handy to have certainly somebody who's playing on the Palace right to have a right-footed player out wide um, for when they, when they come inside. And I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd have McNeil and the Wolby, but I'd swap them around. Okay. To be honest with you, up front, lead the line, I would have Ellis Sims. I know Cal Butler obviously comes in contention, but I think he'll be better saved doing half an hour. And I just think Sims' strength maybe gives Evan a little bit more of a kind of out-and-out frontman than, than Damari Gray, because I think the thing with Damari Gray is it relies on him getting in behind. And I don't know if Evan has got the creativity and the, and the ability to, to get their forward in behind. I think more of a, a more of a battle. I can see your edging to come in, so I'll go to you before going to no, jump. No, I, I was just thinking that, um, <laughs> considering we've got a relatively small squad, and that's what we've been complaining about all season, the lack of it's options. Not, it's not exactly like a great consistency in our team selection here. 
which, which <laughs> shows, like, Joe Dice would say, you know, these are the problems I'm facing as the manager in terms of the squad I've inherited. So, in, in some as in some respects, we've just proved what a difficult job it is managing Everton. That we've lost Gavin. A weird diversification of opinion with, when we've only got 14 players to pick from, both in terms of personnel and formation. So, yeah, I, I, I would have put Ella Sims out. I, I, well, I've given the game I play. I play great up front because yeah, I think great. that's his best position. That's what's worked for Dice. So, great for me. Um, and, yeah, yeah Sims and Cavalier on the bench. Yeah, great, great for me as well. I think he's, of, you know, Dice has tried all of his potential attackers up top by themselves. And if we're sticking with four five one, Gray's been the most effective by some some distance. So you're not gonna ask us to pick a subs bench, Connor, because we could be here for another hour based no, on no, the no, last no, 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 no. bench. I think uh, I think we our our depth of knowledge of the under eighteens and under twenty threes will be called into action if we were naming right. if up the subs bench. <laughs> but, but we're all agreed that Carver Lewin should be on the subs bench. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, he's, yeah, got yeah. Okay. He's, he's got to be. Yeah, he's got to get him on. I think for at least half an hour, twenty minutes. No matter what, what the score is at that point, you've got to try and get him on the pitch to get him to get some game time in him. In the yeah. hope, of perhaps using that's that because I think that's what you've got to be looking looking at now is try and get him in a position to start against Newcastle. So, should we all pick three completely different teams then, haven't we? I think, uh, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, uh, the only thing we are in agreement on is 4-5-1 over 4-4-2. Yeah, <laughs> so, if yeah. anyone's yeah. listening, <laughs> the message is a clear one. <laughs> what yeah, we then, of course, we like to keep this edition on the Royal Blue podcast, as well as some new inventions, and it is time for some predictions. When it comes to predicting Everett results this year, I think anyone, you've got more chance of picking lossy numbers than predicting what Everton are going to do. Gav, I'll start with you because after last weekend's prediction ahead of Fulham, when you were yeah, yeah, this afternoon, and it turned out to be a <laughs> Are you hoping no reverse? It, 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 it won't surprise you after, after uh, forecasting Everton 3-0 home win against Fulham, he hosted the Grand National fell at the second. I was consistent. I, I think before I talk about the results, it's worth saying that the the, the, the problem with this Fulham defeat last week was was yeah I get all the teams got beat, but we'll see the damage of that defeat this weekend, won't we? In the fixtures midweek, because there's a lot of teams playing each other in and around the bottom, aren't they? Full Leicester play Wolves, don't they? Bournemouth play um, West Ham, don't they? During the week, Bournemouth play Southampton. I think Leicester play Leeds. Don't be on yeah. yeah. The only one so, I think we'll go to Anfield is the one tomorrow where yeah. I suspect. Yeah. So we're going to see the damaging effects of this Fulham result, not last weekend, but this weekend and midweek. So that that's the, the terrifying thing for me, going back to the original question. But having said that, um, I'm never, ever going to pick Evan to win 3-0, ever again, even if it's top of the table. I'm going to go for a, a hard end and I think it could be useful one or draw and a, a point would not be the worst result for us uh, tomorrow. And But I'm more interested in the performance. The, you spoke about mentality and new manager bounce and stuff like that. What I want to see tomorrow is commitment, hardware, the sort of things that Bryce had in his first, first nine or ten weeks here. 
And if we do that, I think we can get a one-all draw. Yeah, going one each as well. I think yeah, if we can get one each, Dominic Calvert Lewin gets half an hour on the pitch and comes through unscathed. I think that's yeah, that, that's that's a positive day. I think. I am going to go for a two-one win for the Blues. I think the away day hoodoo will come to an end, and I think we will be celebrating come five o'clock. I can see that. Also, you got a Yeri mean a winner, and you've got a well full out, haven't you? Really? Yeah. More, more, yeah, you mean equaliser and I'm like Hakeem winner. Oh, even better, yeah. Then, you know, has been known, has been known. Well, as we saw, well, he's the best finisher at the club, Gav. You know, you can't argue with the facts. Yeah, <laughs> he's the best at the club. Get that, get that. But, gents, thank you very much for joining me today. I think we've chewed the fat enough over all things Everton, but we will, of course, be back on Monday to look back on Everton's visit to Selhurst Park and of course look ahead to Thursday night's game against Newcastle United at Goodison Park but for today thank you very much for listening to the Royal Blue Podcast You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo